0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at BYTE.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with BYTE. Big problems become big problems when you let small problems sit.
1: This Bindrowski Show, Benny J. Bonus interview is brought to you in part by What's So Funny? I'm just dancing at the little disco ball. Woo woo! The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9. The International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. And the Chicago Federation of Labor, Benny J. Take it away. Bonus time at the Ben Show as I speak. It's Friday, July 3rd, 2020. It's a podcast you can listen listening anytime. And just to give you a little sense of what's going on, Well, it's the day before the 4th of July, which is apropos for the conversation we're about to have. And the uh, headline in the Chicago Tribune, home delivered as always, at crossroads for 4th, bars and restaurants caught between tough rules and holiday crowds. And (laughs) we've been making fun of this all day, this photo of three bros. (laughs) The (laughs) broiest of of the bros. Three bros have a brewski guy. Uh, And so... (laughs) some bar in Wrigleyville they're so happy they're bros I should stop making fun of bros d nah let's just keep let's keep it on there. all right let's keep making fun of bros all right as uh we do with all bonus shows on the Ben Jarofsky show we ask our distinguished guest to introduce him or herself so distinguished guest introduce yourself
0: hello everyone my name or as uh Ben loves, loves to call me Tonio. <laughs> That's correct. Graphic designer, <laughs> web designer, social media expert. The one and only me.
1: All right, Tonio. Uh, and uh, Tonio is uh, also, um, this is why we're having him uh, on the show to have this uh, uh, very specific discussion, but I have a feeling we're going to branch off. Uh, we are dropping the show on the 4th of July. And so I thought it would be appropriate to reach out uh, to Tony O and talk to him about his experiences in the Marine Corps, and to talk to him about his—I'm going to put an adjective on—an interesting attitude about the national anthem. I just thought it'd be—I just thought it'd be fun to talk to uh, Antonio about uh, patriotism on the Fourth of July. Get a different perspective. This is an ongoing conversation. Uh, Antonio's a dear friend of mine. We've been having this conversation for years. Uh, So um, I'll start with the headline and then we'll backtrack and explain to how we got to it. But basically, Antonio does not stand for the national anthem uh, when it's being played at a sporting event. I know this because I've been to sporting events with him. And I'll be standing, and he'll be sitting. He won't take a knee. He's sitting. and my, when I jump, Ben will high-five me, by the way. He'll high-five me, <laughs> but he'll be standing. Yeah, that is interesting, <laughs> huh? What is that? I don't know. <laughs> you, you take this tough stand, Antonio, not me. And then I'll always go, oh, the knee. I see the knee is acting up again. Hi, huh, Antonio. Right. <laughs> All right, so let's explain the backdrop of this. uh, And I guess it starts with your uh, decision to join the Marines. So let's just start at the beginning of the story. uh, And talk about, go ahead.
0: All right, so, you know, there's a couple of people that join the military. There's those that need something. You know, they, they, they need guidance. They need to find a place. And then there's there are those who, you know, want to be a warrior, who want to do the things that it takes for someone to join the military. Um, and I happened to be the first one where I was looking for guidance. I was looking for, you know, somewhere for my life to go because at the time it wasn't really going anywhere. Um, I was hanging out with the wrong crowd. I was, you know um, – Dodging bullets on the South side of Chicago, which is never a good thing. Statistics have, you know, plainly put that out there that dodging bullets is not a good thing. It <laughs> won't turn out well for you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Sometimes they catch and, up
0: with uh, you. And, 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 and not because, and not because, you know, I was doing anything to have, you know, to, to create that circumstance, uh, except for living in the, in the, on the South side of Chicago, you know? Um, And so I decided that I wanted to join the military because I wanted to do something positive with my life. I wanted, you know, I said, you know, I'm I'm dodging bullets here uh, in my neighborhood. I would rather do that for something noble like joining the military. And so that's how I got into the Marine Corps. I didn't tell my parents anything I knew for three months, I believe. I knew for three months that I was going to the Marine Corps, and I didn't tell them until the week before I was uh, scheduled to leave for
1: boot camp. So, so how you can old, imagine, how old were you back then?
0: I was uh, eighteen, I believe.
1: So you just camp. out of high school. You got out of high school and you went into the yep. Marines. Mm-hmm. Uh, were yeah. and what year was this? This was nineteen ninety four. 1994. Was the United States at war in 1994?
0: They were at the tail end of the, uh, desert storm conflict. So they were at the end of that. Um, I got my national defense medal because I caught the tail end of it, but I never got deployed anywhere. Mm -hmm.
1: And, uh, so were you ready? I don't think I've ever asked you. Were you ready for the Marine Corps in terms of just physically being able to uh, handle boot camp, or was it just a, sh- a a shock to put it mildly?
0: Yeah, it was a swift kick in the ass. I would say um, <laughs> one that I probably needed. I I was okay at running a mile and a half, and uh, but uh, whatever shortfalls I had. Boot camp quickly fixed that for me, let's say.
1: It, it, what was the word you used? Boot camp what? Fixed, fixed it. it. Fixed it for it, you. Yeah, fixed it. So yeah. you, you uh, were young you enough, know, I, you got in shape fast.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you run every day, you exercise every hour of the day. Every time you mess up, you're exercising. So you have no choice but to, you know, get in shape. So it, it happens. Uh, there are some people that can't do it, you know, and they get sent back and, you know, have to keep doing it over and over until they get through that, but that didn't happen to me. And one interesting thing, though, one ahead. interesting thing mm-hmm. while I was in boot camp, we stopped everything, because this is 1994, we stopped everything to watch
1: O.J. Simpson on a highway. <laughs> oh, my goodness, you're kidding even the marines no. stopped everything to watch we, o j debravo roll rolled out remember the
0: the big box tv sets and they would be up on the uh, on the like a little cart and they roll it out and everything and put it in the front of the in front of the uh, the deck and they had everybody sit down and we watched o j simpson simpson get uh, chased by the wow the, uh, la
1: w- were you still yeah. in boot camp when that was going on or were you already yeah
0: no, no. I was in boot. We were in the middle of boot camp, so my boot camp started in April and ended in June. So I, I'm guessing somewhere in between there. Yeah, no, I the, know. I, I let,
1: let me tell you something. I am the only human being in America who was upset that TV program was preempted for that. I'll tell you why. I'm a basketball fanatic, as you know. We'll get to that because right. we're going to be talking about the national anthem. And I was watching the uh, finals, the NFL, uh, the the NBA championship, the NBA finals between the New York Knicks and the Houston Rockets. And when OJ started the the chase on the highway, at first it was a box in the lower right corner of the, the game. And then the game became a box in the lower (laughs) right-hand corner of the chase. And then the game disappeared completely. (laughs) As whoever was doing programming for, I think it was ABC, said, you know what? More people are interested in this car chase than the game. And I'm the one guy, hey, what about the game? I don't care.
0: (laughs) You're probably the only person that noticed that, which, unless there are other die-hard basketball fans out there, but it sounds like they were trying to do that, you know, kind of uh, covertly, so that nobody would catch on, you know, kind of like turning the volume down slowly, yeah. hoping nobody notices. Yeah.
1: Well, they were probably they probably were realizing that nobody, everybody was running away from ABC, going to other stations to watch the yeah, chase, right? And so they said, "Out oh, right. of hell with it." Uh, and the start
0: started a twenty-four hour news uh, cycle that. That's what that
1: was. So yeah, that uh, that's a memory from your boot camp days. All right. So were you a gung ho Marine? Did you? Uh, would you? The, when you were in the Marines, were you the kind of? Uh, would you have stood uh, for the national anthem? And, oh
0: know? yeah. I mean you had to. I mean you you you, you uh, basically took an oath to do that. You know to defend the uh, the country, the Constitution, and, and uh, against any enemies, enemies, foreign or domestic. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because, you know, you have a lot of you know, this whole thing with the Confederate flags, which are you know, the Confederates were, you know, domestic terrorists, so our domestic enemy. Um and that's part of our oath is to defend the country against any enemy foreign or domestic. But you know, we won't we won't go into that right now. But uh I wasn't I, I wasn't gun ho. Uh I was just there. You know what I mean? Like I I saw the game that was being played. And I just played it, plain and simple, you know. And um, I, I really thought, you know, okay, once boot camp is over, then you know things will change, and I'll be in the Marine Corps, and you know things will, you know, these games and everything will be over with. And no, I mean this is the Marine Corps at that time. During that time, I don't know how they are now, but during that time, there was a lot of hazing going on, and they were trying to, you know, change that. At, you know, during that time um hazing a lot of anti uh gay stuff going on really that was all really prevalent in uh in the Marine Corps and the Marine Corps is uh is a um branch of service that prides itself on being the best and you know being the uh the 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 best of the best right and so the culture means a lot to the Marine Corps. So the hazing was really hard to, to drill out. And the whole anti-gay stuff was really hard to drill out because it was, you know, it was in, ingrained. And if you even slightly said, Hey, I think that's wrong or, or that's not right. People thought you were gay or something. They started putting the finger at you, you know? And so, yeah. Um, yeah. That was something you didn't want to, you didn't want to bring any attention to yourself in that
1: you said something I wrote it down I saw the game that was being played and just played it be a little more specific about that what was the game and what does it mean to be playing it
0: well um, the you know there's a lot of people that go in there and they, they you know it, it, I don't uh, okay so there's a lot of people that go into the Marine Corps and they don't understand the psyche of what's going on. And so the drill instructors are down your throat, yelling and screaming, calling yourself trash. You know, they call you uh, a lady They're doing all this stuff to like, just tear you down. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why, but I saw that. I just saw it for what it was. I have no idea why, because I've never experienced anything like that before. I was scared for a couple of days and wasn't sure what the hell I'd gotten myself into. Um, And so I just, I really, I don't know what compelled me to understand that this was just a game. And if I played the game, then I was okay. But if I went against the game and tried to, you know, say I have rights or, you know, you're being harsh or, you know, whatever the case may be, or, you know, not do what I was being told to do, then that's when your life got harder. That's yeah. when you you begin you know to sweat a little bit more um,
1: during your boot camp. Yeah, I, uh, I and so you just learn to shut up.
0: It's that it's uh, that's part of it, but I mean you know even then, if there's a whole lot, there's a game that goes with it you know where uh, I mean there's a there was a point okay let me give you an example. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a point where. Uh, and I'll remember this for the rest of my life. Okay, we were doing, the, you know, we, there's a uh, they, they, uh, boot camp is a bunch of education and a bunch of, you know, physical training and everything else. Uh, they, they, uh, a lot of testing is going on. A lot of learning is going on in the classrooms and stuff like that. And when what you do, maybe two or three hours of learning, and then you take a test. Well. I was sent to go do, you know, some, uh, you know, go help clear out another, another squad bay or something like that. Squad bay is where all the, where everybody lives. You know, it's just one big room with like 50 people in it. And it's just called a squad bay. All the bunks are in there lined up, you know, from one end to the other. (laughs) And so we, uh, we had been assigned to go clean up another squad bay. While I was at, while I was over there cleaning up, they were, you know, learning vocabulary and other things and so then we get done over there and they send us back and I get back in time for the freaking test and so we I take the test and I get two questions wrong I don't know what the first question was that I got wrong but the second one was fraternization and and I had never heard that word in my life ever. (laughs) And the the drill instructor was just so hell bent on everyone having a perfect score. (laughs) Like he just went down on me on that word, fraternization. How do I not know what fraternization is? And so he made me do pushups, you know, until there was a pool of sweat under me. And then He's like, do you know what the word fraternization means? And that, you know, yes, sir. And I, you know, screw out the, the definition that they had. And he's like, yeah, I don't think you know what the meaning of that word is. Go see Sergeant S- Joe Instructor So and so. He's out in the, uh, uh, he's out on the, uh, out on the uh, quarter deck outside. Uh, he'll help you out. And so I go out there and I, I can't remember Joe Instructor's names, but I can see their faces clear as day. <laughs> but, I go, I run out there, you know, sir, the instructor so-and-so told me to come out here. And he's like, oh, what did you do, Correa, you know? He's like, get down, start pushing, start pushing. He's like, go back inside. I go back inside. Oh, no, you're not done. Get back out there. You know, there's just this game going back. You know, and I'm like laughing to myself because I know what's going on. I know it's just a freaking game, but I'm not letting it get to my head. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, that's what I meant. Like, you don't let it get to your head. You just play the game and you just keep going and you you get through it. But there are people that can't play the game. And so it gets to them, like, why can't we change this? Why can't, you know, we do it this way? Why do we have to do it this way? And they try to change the system and that's where they start going wrong.
1: You know, listen. uh, Go ahead. Finish your thought. I apologize. Go ahead.
0: Mm -hmm. No, no, no. I was just going to say, which leads, you know, to like the culture of, of, uh, of, of, organization or group and is part of the problem with the police department you know they develop this one culture where people feel like they can't you know change it or don't want to don't want to deviate from it and so uh for fear of repercussions or or whatever ridicule
1: Well, that, that leads into exactly, you you read my mind where I was going. Uh, I had sent you an article required reading. You come on the Ben Jarofsky show, which I've been sending with so, (laughs) I've been sending this article to so many different people. It had a profound uh, impact on me Antonio. It was an article in the New York times about uh, Alex King. I think that's his name. And uh, he's one of the four Minneapolis police officers who's been charged uh, in connection with the murder of George Floyd. And Uh, He is uh, African-American. He was the the officer who had pinned down George Floyd's legs. uh, Derek Mm -hmm. Chauvin murdered him Mm -hmm. by putting his uh, his knee on his neck. But the story tells about how he grew up. He was a sensitive young man in a liberal family. His siblings are involved with Black Lives Matter, one of his best friends, from high school growing up is a black lives matter activist Uh, this guy joined Mm -hmm. the police force because he wanted to be a force of change be a positive element uh, as a black man in the Minneapolis police force something happened to him during the training he was trained by Derek Chauvin which is unbelievable to me that it is sadly believable but Minneapolis uh, allowed Chauvin to be a trainer, even though he had a number of complaints against him. And somehow or other, Antonio, in that training process, a sensitive young man who wanted to use his position with the Minneapolis Police Department became a police officer who would hold down a defenseless George Floyd while he was murdered. And... It's still, it's like they drain the humanity out of the guy. Right. And, and that's, you know. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I just, I, your thoughts on that.
0: Well, I was just going to say that um, that's exactly what's going on here. I mean, you know, I, since I can, since as far back as I can remember, I've always wanted to be a, a police officer. I wanted to be a police officer so that I held them in such high respect. Um, uh, the, the apartment where I first grew up is, uh, the landlord was a police officer and, uh, uh actually he became an, an alderman too. Uh, but anyway, so he would, he was a police officer and I looked up to him and I wanted to be a police officer because I wanted to help people. But then I turned 16 and I wasn't, uh, I didn't look like a little kid anymore um, and a lot of things started happening and I started getting pulled over a lot more and having more dealings or runnings with the police and everything. Not because I was doing anything most of the time, <laughs> but just for walking down the street or, you know, just sitting on my parents' stoop, uh, you know, at the house. And, you know, th- those experiences just deterred me from ever becoming a police officer. And, um, and it, it was just, it's, I think what's going on right now is that at some point in, in our history, uh, and training police officers, we switched from, you know, just putting them, remember the movie police Academy, <laughs> 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 you would just go through an Academy and some mm-hmm. police officer and you kind of learn how to be a police officer, yeah. you know, through experience. Well, now, police officers get training, they get training from different, uh, you know, levels of the government. They get training from the military. They get training from um, different organizations. Uh, There's uh, companies that are, that are set up to train officers with the us versus them mentality. And remember police officers are supposed to be part of the us. They're supposed to be with us, Mm -hmm. right? the military protects us from them. And the police are supposed to be the part, you know, they're supposed to be in the us part, yeah. but they're not anymore. They're not. And they, they've been trained to not be, they've been trained to be separate from the us. So they essentially become somewhat of a occupying force within a community. And I think that's what's going on that. And coupled with the, with the culture, which I really, I relate to, the culture in the police department as the same culture as a gang, you know, where you got these rules and if you break these unwritten rules, you know, and if you break these rules, you're going to, you're going to be, you're going to have a tough time in the police department.
1: Well, there, I think that was the case to a certain degree with uh, Kang uh, in Minneapolis. He was trying to conform uh, to the other officers, who, his senior officers. And again, he was only on his third, that was his third day in the job. Uh, we, just think about that. Yeah. His third day in the job.
0: It's unfortunate,
1: you know, but well, how
0: old was he? 22, 21 or something like no, that? No, he's
1: older than that. He's about 26. I want to Is see. he? Yeah.
0: 26. Okay. So at 26, you should definitely know right from wrong, right? Yeah. And it doesn't take a lot to understand when somebody is suffering. Like, uh, every time I see that, that video from McLean, I forget his, I forget the young man's first name. Um, but in Aurora, um, Colorado, is it? Uh,
1: yeah. And I can't remember the, the man's first name either, but go ahead. I know what you're talking about.
0: But every time I see those videos, my heart just tears apart, you know, because I, see someone who, who, you know, is not doing it. I see myself in them, you know, because I know what it's like to not be doing anything and to be harassed by the police. And, you know, for these individuals, especially McLean who had, you know, other issues going on and everything, but, you know, for the police to just come up and just, you know, not understand when somebody's saying, I can't breathe help me, you know, to just kind of like block that out. The, remember the, I don't know, you've seen this movie, A Few Good Men. Oh yeah. Remember the ending of that where, where the two, the two Marines, the one, the one younger, uh, I can't remember his rank, but he's he's a younger private, I think, or something like that. Uh, he says, I don't get it. Why, are we, why were we guilty? Why were we guilty? I don't understand. We did nothing wrong. We were just following orders. order. Yeah. Right? And then the other guy says, we were supposed to defend, you know, our fellow marine from from bad things. You know, and we didn't do that. We failed at that. That's what I see in this situation. It's like, King, you know, I, I feel bad that it was his third day on the job, but you signed up for that. Yeah. You signed up to be a police officer. You wanted to do good. This was your opportunity to do good. And you didn't do it.
1: No, and he'll be paying it at price for a long time. Uh, All right, let's go back to your story. And uh, you went through all this training. Uh, You played the game. You did, how many years were you in the Marines? Four. Four years. You're part of a culture military culture you came out of a military culture for 4 years that is known for conforming with all the expectations that one would have of paying the utmost respect to the flag the national anthem etc and you've come to this decision that you're not going to play the game anymore talk about playing a game and we get back to what I'm talking about. Here we are on the eve of the 4th of July, uh, this great patriotic holiday. Uh, and you don't stand for the national anthem. Talk about like the, the process that this, uh, left you at this spot in your life.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I, I stopped conforming a long time before I left the Marine Corps. Um, just because, you know, I, I, I'm an individual who, you know, just tell me what you need and I'll do it. Talk to me like a human being, you know, and that, that wasn't happening in the Marine Corps, um, you know, and that's fine. I, I signed up for it, but when I got out, I, I was kind of conflicted because I, I, you know, when I left the Marine Corps, I all of a sudden wasn't surrounded by that culture anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I went back home uh, absent the culture and I kind of, you know, was able to to sort of uh, separate myself from that a little bit. Uh, Not completely because there's a lot of stuff that that I do that is still uh, predicated on the fact that I went through the Marine Corps. (laughs) And, you know, a lot of it involves training where, you know, if I'm in a large crowd, I'm constantly scanning the crowd, just looking around, just to see what's going on. Uh, But, you know, i i i had I've always had a, a profound respect for the flag for a country. You know, I think uh, I'm a, a you know as better as best a patriot as I can be for the United States. Um, I, you know, take pride in the fact that I I was a Marine, and you know, not standing up for the. For the national anthem, first of all, the national anthem. Uh, you know that third that third stanza in the, in the national anthem, I'll, I'll never stand for the national anthem because of that alone. Mm-hmm. Um, Though the, you know the part that talked about the uh, where Francis Scott Key was talking about, he was so <laughs> he was he was he. I think he ran a regiment or something. I can't remember what it was. And he got his butt kicked by, uh, former slaves that had went over to, uh, the other side and he got his butt kicked that he added that to the third stanza of the, uh, of the national anthem. And he, uh, He talks about how, you know, it doesn't matter if, you know, you go to the other side and and fight for them uh, to see you die, you know, brings joy to them or something. That's the word that he used, but I'm I'm paraphrasing it. It brings joy to Uh, them. You want me to read it
1: to you? I can read it if you want me to. I I just looked at it. Go ahead. I'm not going to sing it. I'm just going to read it and then you comment on it. Uh, And where is that band who so vauntily swore? that the havoc of war and battles confusion, a home and a country should leave us no more. Their blood has washed out their foul footsteps pollution. No refuge could save the hireling and slave from the terror of flight or the gloom of the grave. And the star-spangled banner in triumph doth wave over the land of the free and the home of the brave. I think you're talking about that one, yes.
0: Yeah, no, that's exactly the one I was talking about. It's just talking, you know, he, he, you know, was so ridiculed by the fact that he got his regiment got their butt whooped by this, you know, uh, almost all black uh, opposition and, you know, that he put it in the national anthem and the Star Spangled Banner, right? Mm -hmm. And, You know, a lot of people don't know that that's in there. I mean, they should by now, but I don't, you know, I didn't know it for the longest time because we only hear the first one. There's actually three of them. Uh, So for that, for that alone, that part alone, I'll I'll never do that. But I mean, the, the, the whole part, the whole thing, the the, the protest that took place about the national anthem that got started with Colin Kaepernick, you know, uh, first he was sitting down and decided to take a knee in respect to a, uh, I guess it was a, a veteran that told him, you know, at least if you're going to do that, at least take a knee, which he did. Uh, is has never been about the flag. You know, uh, people talk about the flag as if it's this thing, that, that this sacred thing that, you know, um, that the flag gets, it's not supposed to be worn, printed, or used for, you know, branding or anything. But yet you see it all over the place. You see it on the back of a pickup truck where it's not <laughs> supposed to be.
1: Yeah. It's supposed to
0: be in the front of the truck. Yeah. You know, it's just it's, it people misuse and and misrepresent the, the flag all the time. Uh, but nobody says anything about those things. Uh, you know, every time that, that the flag gets sprawled out across the field horizontally, it's not supposed to be that way. That's actually, they're not supposed to be doing that. Uh, so, you know, and then they, they want to talk about, not you know, oh, people that don't kneel, they're not respectful for the flag or towards the flag, and it's never been about the flag. It's that's just a way to kind of deflect from the real issue uh, for why people are protesting, which is, you know, the the abusive uh, behaviors and powers of uh the, the police department and how they're uh, abusively treating people of color. And that has always been the issue. And Colin Kaepernick said it so you know, so many times and uh, you know, and every, everybody else that's done it has said it. And that's the same reason why I started doing it. And I got to tell you, it's, it's, it's hard. It's not an easy thing to do. It's hard. Uh, But for me, I believe that standing up for those who are unable to stand up themselves uh, is more important than what my friends might think of me for for not standing up for the National Anthem. So I think it sends a profound statement.
1: uh, Other than me giving you the high five when you're not standing for the National Anthem, have you ever gotten abuse from people for not standing? Did anybody jeer you or... I get
0: the looks, but nobody's ever really said anything to me. Um, they, whenever I can, I try to avoid coming. Like if I know that the national anthem will be played or or a song or something, I try to arrive, you know, just a little bit late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, especially if it's you know, like at a, a school, um, you know, for a school event or something like that, because I don't, I don't want to take away from the occasion. You know what I mean? No. I don't want people to turn to me when they should be focused on the kids or whoever it is that's out there. Um, but I mean, just recently, I think there was a whole baseball team that, that knelt for the national anthem. Like, a whole entire baseball team knelt. Oh. Uh, little league, I think it was. And I thought that was, Or a high school, I'm sorry. I think
1: it was a high school. A- 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 Antonio, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, Antonio, everything has changed uh, from those the moment when uh, from what it was like when Colin Kaepernick first took the knee. And I yeah, remember when the
0: Redskins are changing their name Yeah, or not change. They they're thinking about it. They're well, thinking wait. about it. Okay.
1: <laughs> I refuse to say the name of the the team in Washington. We Dennis and I were talking about this earlier uh, on the show and I just won't say the name. I've had guests on. I got, uh-huh. A guy f- a friend of mine is uh, making a movie about that. Kevin Blackstone promote that uh, yeah. movie and that interview I did with Kevin. Uh, so I'm with Kevin. I won't say the name. And uh, that story broke today, and it's so obvious to me that that, Why? De- that, that decision to reconsider is motivated by money, uh-huh. money, money.
0: Absolutely! Money. Absolutely! <laughs> 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 the root of all evil. <laughs> yes.
1: And so I yeah, guess no, it is absolutely. Nike is not going to exhibit uh, the Washington team's uh, merchandise mm-hmm. anymore. So they're losing. Right. The NFL is losing money. Uh, I've, I've some other advertisers are pulling out. Uh, I think it's U, mm-hmm. uh, UPS, not UPS. Uh, FedEx. 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 Thank you. Yeah. And uh, yeah. and so, I've just my attitude is that their other owners said to the uh, Daniel Snyder, "You got to get rid of this. You got to change this." And uh, and he has refused Antonio down through the yep. years to change it. So, yeah, things have – but with those early days when Colin Kaepernick was getting such heat and pre, and Trump was belittling him, I remember you and I would be talking about it and we're like, you know, it seemed like the country was against the position that you and I were taking and Colin Kaepernick were taking. Now it's everybody. It's like, what is going on? It's
0: – Yeah, you know, I think uh, I think this pandemic, you know – <laughs> the the Americans, Americans in general, tend to be a very busy bunch. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, things can be going on, and it's like, oh, I didn't catch that. Oh, I didn't see that. And, you know, you, you're busy. You, something might catch your attention for a split second, but then, you know, something else does. You're on to the next thing or whatever. The pandemic stopped all of that. Yeah. People were, you know, I mean, people were were left in their homes but you know, finding new ways of making banana bread of all things, you know, <laughs> and this occurred. This this whole you know shift occurred while people were able to listen. I think, personally, mm-hmm. uh, they they were for the first time in their lives they were able to listen to what was going on and see it. You know, plain to say, and the 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 the. the uh, the, the manner in which Chauvin you know uh, just kept his knee on the back of George Floyd's neck mm-hmm. was just so uh, you know like I can't even describe you know like it was just so so heinous you know it was just so wrong and the fact that he was doing it with his hands in his pocket yeah. like you know like What what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I hate that. I hate when when police officers are are standing around with their hands in their bulletproof vest or their hands in their pocket. It drives me insane, like especially at a a scene where something just happened. But, you know, because let me tell you this. In the Marine Corps, we were never allowed to put our hands in our pockets. If we were in uniform, we did not have our hands in our pockets at all. They're at your side or, you know somewhere else but they weren't in your pocket and for me it drives me insane to see police officers in uniform you know at a scene or you know crime scene or whatever with their hands in their vest you know just walking around because it makes you look you know it gives you that that look like you either don't care or you just you know kind of like the, the the police officers that you know were kicking their feet up at uh bobby rush's hmm. office you remember seeing that for the first time? Uh, what, it, what, what feeling did you get when you see when you saw that?
1: Well, I had the feeling. Uh, this is we, this is one of my favorite topics, and we've talked about this one a lot. Uh, I had the feeling that they were absolutely comfortable in doing whatever they were doing without fear that there would be any ramifications for it, which is right. the same essential attitude expressed by derek chauvin when he put his hands right. in his pockets while killing a man
0: on camera right right, right. exactly y-
1: y- you know it, it, yeah uh, on camera it, it, it,
0: yeah and, and, and you know just with no with no fear of any repercussion whatsoever whatsoever I yeah. mean at least the guy next to him you know asked, you know, should we turn them over or something like that? You know, he at least started, you know, getting that feeling and, and, you know, maybe they should do something. But, you know, Chauvin being the senior officer there just took charge of the situation.
1: And, And let me just point out one more time, Chauvin, this trained this younger officer somehow or other Minneapolis thought it would be a good idea to have the younger officer trained by Derek Chauvin. Uh, All right, we're in the eve of the 4th of July. Do you have any feelings one way or the other about the 4th of July? Do you feel especially patriotic during the 4th of July or do you feel annoyed by the 4th of July? What's your general attitude about the 4th of July? Okay.
0: Well, I'm going to give you my annoyance first. (laughs) I am stupidly annoyed by the amount of fireworks that are (laughs) being set off right now. It is just so annoying. I mean, it's, it's crazy. I, I, I live out in, uh, you know, south, southwest suburbs, and it's crazy over there. It's, you know, I'm nowhere near the city. I'm just like, what the hell? That said, I love this country. You know what I mean? I, I, I love this country. I love the U.S. Uh, it's not a perfect place to live, of course. I don't think there's a perfect place anywhere on the planet um, but, um, I think that we're headed in the right direction now. I think that, that people are, are finally waking up They're They're finally, you know, let me share this one story with you real quick. I think this is where, where America is right now, not, not minority America, but white America. Right. So, um, I would get stopped by the police in front of my house. You know, and what people don't understand is when you, you're, you know, a lot of people say, well, if you're not doing anything, then it shouldn't matter, right? Uh, you should be, you should just let them do their thing and then be on your way. It's like, okay, well, first of all, it doesn't happen that way. Secondly, uh, no, because if I'm not doing anything, they shouldn't be, you know, harassing me to begin with. But um, what happens is you they uh, sitting on the stoop of my parents' house. They call you over, get over here, you know, put your hands on the car. Car they've been driving around in all day, so it's hot as hell. Um, they search you in front of your neighbors. You know, everybody sees that you're being searched by the police. What's the first thing you start? you know, that comes across your head? They must have done something. It was the first thing that came across my dad's mind. Mm-hmm. And so when I would go inside, it's like, what happened? I didn't do anything. And I got uh, tossed around a little bit because my dad didn't believe me. Right? He came at the tail end of it where he just saw that they they let us go. He said, well, what did you do? You you must have done something. You had to have done something. You provoked them in some kind of way. What did you do? Mm -hmm. Nothing. And that happened, I think, once or twice. Uh, The third time me and my friends were out there, and my dad was in the doorway when the police did that. And so then my dad was like, Hey, hold on a second. What's going on? You know, they, I've been out here with them the whole entire time. They haven't done anything. Sir, get the hell out of the way. We're trying to talk to them. And it was at that moment that my dad realized that I had been telling him the truth the whole entire time. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's. Point where America is right now, where it's like, oh shit.
1: They've been telling the truth the whole time.
0: Right. I, uh, I uh, one more story. I worked at, at BBM for a while, mm-hmm. uh, 780, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I got a call once about a woman, uh, must have. You know, uh, old lady. She sounded like an old lady, you know, African-American woman. And she was hurt, devastated, because the, the police had, you know, beaten one of her kids or something like that. And she wanted to tell her story because she felt like they shouldn't be getting... This was before any of this happened. This was years and years ago, maybe 2014, 13, somewhere around there. And, uh, and so she just wanted to tell her story because she didn't feel that it was right for them to do what they did to her son and so i brought it up to the news editor at the time and there he said the old white guy (laughs) Mm -hmm. he said man the kid probably did something to deserve it that we're not gonna take it and it was one of those calls where i knew that the that the woman was not lying you know what i mean like you just have a gut feeling like the person is telling the truth the truth and you know that kind of that kind of made me feel a certain kind of way about working there, and I, I didn't stay there much longer after that. Mm-hmm.
1: No, I I I know exactly where you're getting at, and uh, I guess that 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 gentleman had uh, a faith in the system uh, that you could not share, given your experiences. Let's put it that way. Uh, and, right. And yeah, and I, I hope you're right. I hope that we have reached a point uh, where we've like decided to move in a better direction. It sure seems that way, Antonio, but we'll see. Let's have this conversation a year from now and see where we're at. You know, let's first things right. first. I mean, get get rid of Trump. How about that? First things first.
0: Man, I'm on. I'm on board with that. I mean, you know, this guy, he just, you know, the things he chooses to fucking back up and not back up is just, you know, I, I, he wants to protect the monuments and statues, but, and, oh, uh, one other quick thing. I'm sorry. I'm jumping all over the place here, but, uh, um, the, the, uh, (laughs) the way that the protesters are being treated, you know, where you got police coming out and right here to show that they are, you know, that that the protesters are wrong about Mm -hmm. police brutality. Um, you know, I cannot get over the fact how they were treated the protesters, the, the Black Lives Matter protesters, the protesters against police brutality. And then when you had a bunch of white hillbillies who didn't want to stay inside in Michigan and got their rifles, their shotguns, their pistols and marched on the state capitol. I didn't see any police in right here.
1: Because there wasn't any. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: It's just it's like that alone, that in itself does a lot. Yeah. Uh, Operation Gridlock from Michigan. We talked a lot about that on the show. Uh, all right. So maybe a year from now, you will be standing uh, for the national anthem. We'll see. I hope we haven't if see-
0: they get If they get a new national anthem, I will never stand up for
1: the national anthem as long as they keep singing the same song. All right, we gotta swear all right here we go we'll close with this what do you think the new national anthem should be
0: I have no idea but somebody somebody uh, who ha- is far better uh, artistically and probably has way more talent than I do should come up with that <laughs> it should be something new I don't think it should be something old I think uh, maybe a Culmination of things, but it should be something, something new. Something. What that if it was the same the-
1: song remixed, like a, you know, like a techno style? <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: well, the, you and still it have the problem with the lyrics.
0: Techno died, techno died a long time ago. First of all, <laughs> EDM.
1: <laughs> Wait, here we go. This is an old song, not as old as the national anthem, but it's older than either you or Dennis. "What's Going On" by Marvin Gaye should be the national anthem. Do you what's do going, you even know that song? What's going on? I know oh. that part. Oh my god, <laughs> I've heard it. Uh, what? I've I thought it. I was I thought a Marvin Gaye came on this show. I thought that was Marvin Gaye. <laughs> my god. What a <laughs> <laughs> he started singing Is, Did Marvin Gaye come back to life? I mean. go, Dennis bring it up that cut. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to close close this down. You've not heard this yet. And uh, my dear friend Antonio, uh from the south side of chicago tough guy back in the day uh and he you i think you should hear how our uh city officials talk when nobody's around They, when they don't think anyone's around to hear them we play this all the time love to get your reaction uh this is a uh, uh, raymond lopez alderman of the 15th ward which is the ward not far from where you grew up antonio with mayor Lori lightfoot behind the scenes having a discussion <laughs> that they don't think the public will hear. And yet, uh, somehow or other, we have this uh, this recording. All right, Dee, take it away.
0: I want an answer. It's not something you ignore. I think you're 100% full of shit is what I think. If you think oh, we want... No were offense, friends, fuck you then. God, Who are you, you to tell we me afraid? I'm full of shit?
1: <laughs> All right, Antonio, that's... <laughs> what do you think about that, huh? How patriotic... Oh, What's that?
0: I... It's like I'm gonna go full circle here and bring it back to uh, WWE wrestling.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Dude, like right, it, Lopez. He before he taught, well, we cut a lot of it out, but yeah, he was going on like a big baby face promo there.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean, you know, they, they everybody puts on a good face when they're out in front of people, in front of public, and everything. You know, it's, I, I guess it sounds shocking because you wouldn't expect to high profiled individuals like that to, to talk to each other that way but i mean i'm sure it happens all
1: <laughs> i just i love that just when dennis drops that tape every now and then when i'm uh, that recording when i'm not paying it i just cracks me up every single time you know what i think i think you're a, not just you're full of shit but you're a hundred percent full of shit <laughs> so then the issue comes, is she really fair? Maybe it's more like 40%. I don't know. It's. Yeah. People can do that. All right. Final question before I let you go. What movie will you be watching this weekend uh, while you're staying indoors away from the madness of fireworks, etc.? All
0: right. So I've already watched it, I'm recommending it to everybody else, and that's The Five Bloods. Uh, okay. Don't ask me who's in it. I'm really bad at that stuff. Don't ask me who directed it because I don't know. Spike it's Lee. Very awesome. It's oh, you're right. It is Spike Lee. You're right. I just when you said that, it popped back in my head. Um, it's a it's an awesome movie uh, about these guys. These uh, uh, uh I think it's four Vietnam vets that go back to Vietnam, and they kind of uh, you know, they're they're known as the uh, Five Bloods, and uh, they go back to retrieve the remains of one of their buddies and something else that I don't want to give away. So, uh, awesome movie. Uh, I think it's, it's fitting for the time.
1: I'm with you hundred percent, uh, to five bloods. We've already discussed it on the show several times. So, uh, after you see the movie, uh, check out our uh, conversation that we had with Sergio Mims and Daniel Scrubs, uh, Scruggs, where we talk about the movie. And then you can listen to our interview with Charles Ellison, uh, jazz musician lives in Montreal now, but he uh, was uh, in Vietnam in '68 and '69 at the same time. The Five Bloods, black man from uh, Indiana and was in Vietnam, and he talks about his experiences. So, yes, that has been a very favorite uh, movie of the Ben Jarovsky show, indeed, The Five Bloods. I agree with you 100% on that. Uh, There's uneven. There's parts about it. You know, folks going into that movie, you think it's going to be brilliant from start to finish. Antonio, there were some Uh moments of that movie, all right, Spike, you're getting a little, but overall. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right, Right. Spike, you know. all right, listen, Antonio, stay safe, stay sound, and uh, keep uh, your faith in the system going. And maybe we'll see uh, what ha- next year at this time of the 4th of July. Will you be standing for the national anthem? Oh, say can <laughs> you sing. Come on, Antonio. Uh, I'm,
0: By the, uh, I'm sitting right now. I'm sitting down ah, right now. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: All right, Antonio, we'll talk to you soon. Take care, all right? Back to you later. Bye. All right. That's Antonio Correa. I'm Ben Drowski. Take care,
0: everybody.